Hi, and welcome to Apothecary, a podcast about herbs and natural healing. I'm Kelly Cook, creator of Moonflower Apothecary and Alchemy. Join me as we discuss various herbs and their many healing benefits. I'll share with you nerdy herb facts, traditions, and some of my own tips and recipes. You'll learn creative ideas to start crafting your own herbal apothecary and how to bring this green magic into your life. Welcome back, friends. It's been a long time since I've recorded. Life gets busy here sometimes, and I am happy to be back with you. We have come into a different type of season here where I live. It is definitely cold outside. Winter is definitely coming into the mountains of Western North Carolina. We are also now just past the halfway point between the autumn equinox and the winter solstice. So this is now what is referred to as the dark time of the season. And also, most of us refer to it as cold and flu season. So that's what I'm gonna talk to you about today is how to protect yourself and how to use your herbal allies to stay well and keep your friends and family well also. This is going to be a multi-episode podcast, I believe, because the amount of information that we could cover is immense. There's just so much to talk about and I could literally go on forever, but it's hard to listen to an extremely long podcast. So I think I'm going to do this in shorter little segments. Um, I want to just go over first the different types of herbs and how they work with the immune system. So the first group that I'm going to talk about are immune stimulating herbs, immunostimulants. This is what I get asked about the most because let's be honest, As much as I want to go at everything from a holistic approach, what causes it, how did the body get in this state, what is the root cause, those are important in herbal medicine, but myself and most all of you, when you're sick, what you really want is to feel better. So I'm gonna start with the immune stimulating herbs because they work the fastest. Um, Some of these herbs you'll be familiar with, and some of them you may not be familiar with. We'll talk about them in a little more detail. Um, Immune stimulating herbs, think about that as literally a kick in the pants for your immune system. You are going to say to your immune system, hey buddy, I don't feel good. Let's do something real quick to get me feeling better. So these herbs include echinacea, garlic, honeysuckle, spilanthes, Eusnea, just to name a few. Immune stimulating herbs are quick, short term action, and they're meant to stimulate that immune system to help resist infection. And also, many of them have a microbial action, which means that they literally inhibit the pathogen, the germ, they inhibit that germ from being able to take hold in the body. They are, for short-term use, they stimulate white blood cell activity, and they do have an immediate but short-lived effect. So they need to be taken 
more often. It's not a one and done kind of thing that you would take like once a day, let's say for example. They're also not intended for long-term use because stimulants used in a long-term setting create an imbalance. So if you constantly stimulate the body, then you're out of balance in another way and that opens your system up to weakness which then opens your pathway up to a, a disease or a pathogen or a germ you're going to make yourself sick so when you're using these immune stimulating herbs think of them as short-term use when you feel that you are getting a cold or you've been exposed to a germ of some sort the next category are immune modulating herbs, immunomodulators. Many of these herbs also fall under the classification of adaptogenic herbs, and you hear me talk about those a lot. So these herbs work differently depending on the condition, the state of your physical body at that moment. So when you think of pharmaceutical drugs, it's a direct line. This drug has this effect. Take this for that. It's sort of that scenario. Immune modulators do not work in that way. Immune modulating or adaptogenic herbs go into the body and assess the terrain. What is going on in the body right now? We need to increase this, decrease this, balance here. It's a modulating effect, a balancing effect. It's slower acting. These herbs typically have a more prolonged effect. They're more balancing to the body than stimulating. And they can be taken daily during cold and flu season. I often recommend that for folks who get sick easily or they find that they keep a cold. You hear people say, I just keep a cold all winter long. These are definitely um, the herbs that you would want to work with. And they include ashwagandha, astragalus, cordyceps, which is the coolest little fungi. It's not actually an herb, it's a fungi that grows on caterpillars. So you and I will probably not be harvesting this ourselves. When you purchase cordyceps, make sure that you're getting it from a reputable source. Another herb is eleuthero, holy basil, also called tulsi, reishi, rhodiola, and schizandra. So these are some immune modulating herbs. Next are immune tonics. So these herbs tone the system. When you think of a tonic type herb, think of it the same way as you think of toning your muscles. Don't we all wish it was true that you could just go to the gym one day, knock it out, work out really hard, and boom, your tone. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. If any of you have any idea how to make that happen, please email me directly. <laughs> but until then, think of a tonic just the same way as you think about your regular exercise regimen to keep your body toned and healthy. Immune tonics are meant for long-term use. They work in a very gentle way with the body and they can be used on a daily basis. 
They do also have modulating effects, meaning that they balance and tone the system. They just aren't labeled in the herb world as immune modulators. They're more tonifying herbs. This includes herbs like calendula or calendula, chaga, which is a type of mushroom, elder, meaning elderberry and elder flowers, lion's mane mushroom, and turkey tail mushroom. Again, these are meant for long-term use to help build and strengthen your immune system, and they're generally well tolerated by everyone. I want to go back just for a second, something really important that I left out about the immune-stimulating herbs. If you have an autoimmune condition of any type, use caution and do your research when you're using an immune-stimulating herb. I really recommend for folks that have an autoimmune condition that you work with an herbalist who is well-trained in using these herbs in appropriate ways because when you have an autoimmune disease or a condition your body doesn't immediately recognize how to turn off the response when the immune system is ignited so if you're stimulating the immune system you could and I'm gonna say could because it's not likely but it just needs to be something that you're aware of. An immune stimulant can cause a flare of your autoimmune condition. So just know that we use them in my home. We deal with an autoimmune condition here at the cookhouse, but I do still use these herbs. I just use them with caution and I use them in small doses to see how the body tolerates them. So it's not off the page for you, it's just something that you need to be aware of, and I do recommend that you work with a professional herbalist. The last category of herbs that I'm gonna talk about are antimicrobial herbs. They kill germs. They're cootie killers. They're wonderful for conditions like the common cold, flu, and manageable infections in the body. You're gonna be familiar with a lot of these. And if you make fire cider, you'll notice that fire cider contains a lot of these herbs. They include, again, calendula, cayenne, elder, honeysuckle, golden seal, ginger, garlic, sage, hyssop, thyme, lemon balm, and yarrow. These herbs are staples in my home apothecary. So you might want to listen to that list again and make yourself a note. If you are just starting to build your home apothecary, this little list here is going to be where you start. These are great herbs. They cover lots of different ailments and illnesses and conditions in the body. It's a wonderful place to start building your home apothecary. If I could pull out just a few here, I would definitely say calendula, lemon balm, yarrow, and elder. Although, don't go crazy buying up pounds and pounds of elderberry, please. We had a run on elderberry last year when the pandemic started and none of us could get the medicine 
uh, to make for our families. You don't need a whole bunch. So as I'm talking to you about all of these herbs and how to use these herbs to be well, it is essential that you first address the state of the body on a daily basis. You need to make sure that you're getting plenty of sleep, that you have a healthy diet, particularly during the winter months, you want to diet high in vitamin D, vitamin C, and zinc. And you also want to make sure that as often as possible, daily if you can, that you get just a few minutes of healthy sun exposure. 15 minutes is super. If you can get out in the sun for 15 minutes, it does so much for our body mentally and physically. And it's also a really nice, easy boost to your immune system. I want to read to you a little excerpt from Wendell Berry. This is from a class that I took years ago. Uh, You can find this on the Chestnut School of Herbal Medicine website, but I'm going to read to you from his article, The Unsettling of America. This basically sums up the holistic approach to healing our bodies. And Barry says, Our bodies are not distinct from the bodies of plants and animals with which we are involved in the cycles of feeding and the intricate companionships of ecological systems and the spirit. They are not distinct from the earth, the sun, and moon, and the other heavenly bodies. It is therefore absurd to approach this subject of health with a departmentalized band of specialists. A medical doctor uninterested in nutrition, in agriculture, and in the wholeness of mind and spirit is as absurd as a farmer who is uninterested in health. Our fragmentation of this subject cannot be our cure because it is our disease. That's really powerful. It really is the holistic view of how to treat the body. So don't use these herbs to prop your system up while you eat a crappy diet and burn the candle at both ends and not take care of yourself. It's not a band-aid and your body will fail you if you don't give it proper nutrition, proper rest, and proper self-care particularly in the area of managing your stress. I am guilty, as many are, of trying to do too many things at once. And when I do this, when I feel that my body is run down, I am apt to get sick. And any time I ever get a cold or an illness takes over and I have to literally treat an illness, if I think back, It is a long process of letting my body get run down by not eating a healthy diet, not getting enough rest, and just trying to do too many things at one time. So as we come in to cold and flu season, I definitely want you to keep that in mind. Make sure that you're using really good self-care practices. All right, so let's talk about one of these herbs today. that you're probably, especially if you live in the South where I live, you're familiar with. 
and that is honeysuckle. I absolutely love honeysuckle. It just immediately brings memories of being a little kid and pulling that sweet honeysuckle nectar out and munching on it in the woods. It grows everywhere where I live. It is somewhat of a nuisance weed to most, although I do have a little patch in the corner of my backyard that I protect and I watch because I want to catch those blooms. Every once in a while I get busy in the spring because so much is happening in the spring and there are so many herbs to collect. I forget my honeysuckle and I did that last year. So this year I've really been on the watch out for her and I have a nice harvest of honeysuckle. If you're just listening to this and the honeysuckles are no longer blooming, which they probably are not. There are a couple of little blooms out there on my honeysuckle vine, but I won't harvest them because it's too cold now and I feel like most of their medicine has been pulled back into those stems, leaves, and roots of the plant. So I'll just leave those um, and enjoy how pretty they look. They're probably not very medicinal at this point. You can harvest the leaves and the stems. So if you've missed the flower harvest, don't fret. There's plenty of medicinal value in the leaves and stems. They are an evergreen, and so you can go out right after this podcast and clip some of those and start making medicine for yourself. So what does honeysuckle do for us? I mean, other than make us happy and remind us of childhood days playing in the woods, honeysuckle offers antiviral properties that is essential during cold and flu season. Antiviral, antibacterial, and antibiotic properties are listed under honeysuckle's actions. It is also antispasmodic. So what that means, it is a relaxant, particularly to a spasmodic cough, that cough where you're just coughing and coughing and coughing and you almost feel like you can't breathe because you're coughing so hard. Honeysuckle will help soften that cough. I'm not saying suppress. You'll very rarely ever hear me recommend a cough suppressant because coughing is an action that is good for the body to remove that which is causing you to be unwell. But if it's also causing you to cough to the point that you think you might pass out, you need a little help. So honeysuckle is going to be a great ally, as are other antispasmodic herbs. Honeysuckle also works as an astringent, so it helps to dry up those damp, boggy tissues. Think of that wetness in the lungs, that wet cough. It can work as an astringent. It can work as a diuretic helping you to purge excess fluid. It's very cooling to the system, so it's wonderful when you feel heat in the body, particularly when you feel heat in the lungs. It's also sweat-inducing, and that is used to help break a fever. So you can see how honeysuckle is a pretty powerful herb when you're not feeling so great. This is an excellent choice. I use honeysuckle particularly for chest colds. And this just seems to be what happens to my body 
when I get a cold. If I don't get it quick, or if I've let my body get in a state that is already run down and fatigued, my cold will go straight to my chest, like immediately. So honeysuckle is one of my favorite allies for a chest cold. It's great for coughs, it's good for asthma, and also sore throat. Interestingly, in Chinese traditional, or excuse me, in traditional Chinese medicine, uh, TCM, as you'll see it listed a lot of times out beside herbs in my notes, it's used as a cardiac tonic. So it's really good for issues of the heart. As a tonic, again, you can take it daily to help rebuild the strength of the cardiac system. And it's also used for arthritis and rheumatism. So how do you take honeysuckle medicine? How do you get it? All right, first of all, early in the spring, watch. Watch for those little golden, yellow, and white petals to emerge. Also in the south, we have a red honeysuckle. So if you're fortunate enough to have one of those near you, you can harvest those blossoms as well. Most of what grows around me is referred to as Japanese honeysuckle and it has the white to yellow to sometimes soft pink blooms. But there are many varieties of honeysuckle, so do your research and find out what grows near you. But harvest those blooms in the spring. They're full of nectar, they're super sweet, and they can be used to make a syrup. On a side note, a honeysuckle syrup cocktail um, made with a little gin or even a little bourbon is really delicious. Just a side note if you like cocktails. So how do you make your syrup? Once you've harvested a nice bunch, I would say maybe a pint jar full, and it takes a little while because they're, they're little and fluffy flowers, harvest your petals and then bring them inside and you're basically going to make a very gentle infusion, a tea. So what I like to do is put my um, honeysuckle petals in a glass bowl and then on the stove or in your kettle heat up some water to boiling, pour that water over the honeysuckle flowers and cover it with a lid. Let that steep until it is completely cooled. You don't want to boil these flowers or make a decoction of them because they're very, very delicate. It's just not necessary and you don't want to damage any of those highly volatile compounds in the syrup. So this is a real gentle way to basically make a honeysuckle flower tea. Once it's completely cooled, strain it off with a cheesecloth and then very gently press or squeeze those little flowers to make sure you get every last little drop out of them. And you can compost them or do whatever you like with the petals. Once you have your honeysuckle petal tea, so to speak, you're gonna measure how much liquid you have and you're gonna add to that two parts of honey. So if you have one cup of honeysuckle tea, you're gonna add two cups of honey. 
You can do this with sugar and make a simple syrup, but there is absolutely zero medicinal quality in white sugar. So if I'm, if I'm making it for cocktails, I may use white sugar and make a simple syrup, but when I'm using it for medicine, I want to use honey because you not only get the healing properties of the honeysuckle flower, you get the healing properties of the honey as well. If you can get your hands on raw honey, that's what you want to use. In a pinch, honey will do. Any honey will do. But raw honey is best because it has so many healing properties on its own. Alright, so let's say you're just listening to this, you're just learning about honeysuckle and there are no blooms. So take your mason jar or your basket or whatever you're going to use to harvest and some scissors or snips and you're going to remove the leaves and the stems. Go out and fill yourself up a good bit. Um, I normally just take my mason jar outside with me. A quart jar is what I like to use. It's a great size. Pack it pretty full. Not so full that you can't get any liquid in the jar, but fill that jar up with leaves and stems and make sure that you've got enough to fill that jar. Come inside and you can do one of two things at this point. You can make a tea, like we just discussed, the infusion method. If you're gonna use the leaves and stems, you can use a stronger infusion method and actually simmer for about 15 to 20 minutes on a very, very low heat. So you'll put your leaves and stems into the pot of water on your stove and cover it. And then you're gonna let that simmer really, really low for 15 to 20 minutes. Let it completely cool and then strain it off and put it in a jar. You'll need to keep this in the refrigerator because you don't have any preservative in it. You can also pour it into little muffin tins. I love to do this uh, when I'm making herbal teas that I want to keep because there is no preservative and they're only good in the refrigerator. I would say two weeks max. Um, to keep them, pour them in a little muffin tin. That seems to be the perfect size when you melt it down to make yourself a nice cup of herbal tea. So fill up your muffin tins, pop it in the freezer when it's completely frozen, pop out those little frozen cups of tea, put it in a Ziploc bag labeled and dated, and toss it in your refrigerator. And then you have honeysuckle tea all season long, anytime you feel like you need a little bit. The last way that you can prepare honeysuckle, and this is my second favorite because who doesn't love honeysuckle syrup, uh, but this is the most accessible and it also has the longest shelf life. So I'm currently making a tincture of honeysuckle flower, leaf, and stem. I have them all together going at the same time. So. You can do this with honeysuckle flowers, you can do it with honeysuckle stems and leaves, or you can do a combination like what I have going right now of the flowers, the stems, and the leaves. So again, in your mason jar, 
You're gonna fill it. I like to fill it when I have petals included in this. I like to get it all the way full to the top. Don't crush those petals down so that they're just mashed in the bottom of the jar, but you wanna get it pretty full. So again, take your mason jar outside, clip it off, uh, starting with the flowers if you have them. Get as many as you can get, leaving always some flowers for the birds and the bees. Don't take everything. And then harvest the rest of your jar's uh, volume with leaves and stems, clipping them into small little pieces so that you can get more into the jar. Um, then bring it inside and top it off with your favorite brandy or vodka, whatever alcohol you like to tincture with. And you're gonna wanna put a piece of wax paper or parchment over the top of the jar and then put the metal lid on. You don't want your tincture to come in contact with that metal on the lid. You can also use plastic wrap if that's what you have. Um, label it with the name of the herb, where you harvested it, and the date that you started the tincture so that you'll remember. You're gonna leave that setting somewhere where you can give it a nice shake back and forth every couple of days and tincture it for four to six weeks. Strain it off, throwing out all the solids. Make sure you strain it nice and well because some of those little pieces from the petals are really tiny and you, you want to get as much of it as you can out of your tincture. And then again, label it, date it with the date that it's finished, and put it in your apothecary to use as needed during cold and flu season. So I hope this has given you an idea today of how to use a really, really common herb to support yourself and your family during cold and flu season. Honeysuckle is a great immune stimulant and it is also a powerful antimicrobial herb that can be used to help with colds and flu and other respiratory illnesses during this season of the year. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Apothecary. I hope you have enjoyed our topic and I hope that you found some inspiration for your own path of natural wellness. Until next time, may you be happy, healthy, and well, and may you add a little green magic to your day.